Good to see you. Um, just uh, wanted to say a thank you to those that have allowed me to go away the week before last on retreat. Uh, it was a blessed time. Went up to the Northumbria community and uh, it was quite a special place. I went up in the camper van and managed to stay uh, close to Holy Island as well. Absolutely beautiful up there. A real sense of um, God in that place. And um, people have asked, was it a silent retreat? Because um, I, I struggle with retreats to start off with, but to do any silence on it. And yes, we did. We had silent retreat from nine o'clock in the evening all the way through till after breakfast. And I'm a I'm a good morning kind of person and, and chat over food. You know, I like to do that. That's really tricky, really tricky. But I managed it, and I'm back. And um, if you do ever get a chance to to think about a retreat, I would wholeheartedly recommend getting yourself up to the Northumbria community. It's only six hours driving. Not too crazy. But anyway, um, thank you uh, for uh, allowing me to share the word this morning. Um, I know next Sunday is Vision Sunday where uh, Wayne's going to be bringing some stuff and uh, this is the little infill in between that. Um, gave me a free reign. That's dangerous, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Thanks, Judith, for nodding quite a lot there, actually. Um, and what I wanted to do was bring a passage of scripture that was really challenged me for kind of what I'm doing in this role uh, as community pastor. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start just by reading scripture. So Mark 10, uh, 46 to 52. I'm going to read it in its entirety. It says, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. A very familiar passage to many of us, I am sure. Um, And something in that passage of scripture um, jumped out to me. It was two or three things that jumped out to me. And the, the first thing was, why did Bartimaeus have to shout? You can feed back. You can say why. It's okay. A lot of people. What happens when there's a lot of people? Noise. Noise. Trying to quieten you lot at the beginning of a service is so tricky. It's great, though, because you're obviously chatting away, catching up with each other, having fellowship. But yeah, there was this noise. Now, we don't know how big this crowd was. 
we can assume it's quite large. They've just come from Jericho and they're heading off to Jerusalem. We know there's at least 84 of them were disciples. That's good maths, that, 72 and 12. 84. There's at least 84, and it would have been more. There would have been more just following, hearing who Jesus was, what he was doing. Um, it, thousands would have, would have come, flocked to have seen him as we know that, but we don't know how large the crowd was, but it was loud enough that Bartimaeus had to shout out twice and louder the second time. It says in that passage of scripture, as he was shouting, many people rebuked him. Now these were probably residents from Jericho. You're probably not going to have everyone from Nazareth following. They've kind of probably had some of their healing and everything else. And you've had a lot of people where Jesus went, they would have come, they would have flocked, they would have kind of come to him, whatever he was doing. So a lot of these people were probably from Jericho, and they probably always knew he was there begging, trying to get their coin, their little bit of money. He's constantly there. They would have known him. And even some of these people were followers of Jesus. Had walked with Jesus. They still looked down on Bartimaeus because of his lowly status. Is there a lesson there for us as followers of Jesus? Who do we look down on in society? Because we do. We're human beings. We're of a sinful nature. And we do tend to look down on people. Just leaving it as an open question. Let's go back to that word, noise. What noise is in our society, in our lives, that stops us from hearing the cry of the last, the least and the lost? The Bartimaeuses. What's the noise in our lives? Maybe it's the need for constant entertainment. That we're always busy with stuff. Even good intentional stuff like family stuff and and even church. Is the noise our busyness and that we have no time for those in need. Last week, uh, Alan Howe mentioned that some of the excuses for not going to that special banquet, that special dinner, those that were invited, who were of a higher status, well, I, you know, I can't do this. I've, one of them is like, I bought a piece of land. I want to go and check it out. What great soil. I bought some cows. I want to try them out. I don't know how you try cows out, but he wanted to go and try cows out. And one said, I've just got married and I need to go and be with my wife. What are our excuses today? I've got a series on Netflix that I need to binge watch because someone has said it's really good. I've got four hours. I can do at least five episodes. Come on. 
Or it might be I've got to take my child to three activities after school today, two tomorrow and four the next day, because I want to make sure they can swim, ride a bike, be a good kid. Or maybe it might even be I can't do that because I'm actually doing church work. I've got to go to my Bible study or I've got to go and do this. There's still excuses sometimes. Scripture tells us that he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. In the NRSV version it says, he stood still. You can imagine the crowd stopping as Jesus did. Some looking at Jesus, maybe he stopped. Maybe some bumping into each other's as they had no idea why they were in a crowd in the first place. And yes, that's what happened and does happen still today. You can still be, oh, there's a crowd. Well, let's just follow, see what's happening. Jesus says, call him. The NIV translation of those calling Bartimaeus, when I was reading it, I read it as a kind of a little bit East End. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. (laughs) That's how I read the NIV sometimes. Cheer up, it's all right. Again, the NRSV actually says, take heart, get up, he is calling you. I'm actually starting to read the NRSV a little bit more these days. What does Bartimaeus do next? Anyone remember what he does next? Thank you. Throws off his cloak. He throws off his cloak. His cloak would have been his protection, his shield. That's how the beggars, they had no home, they were literally out on the street. From the wind, the rain, the heat, this cloak was their protection, their shield. This was his identity, his way of life. In throwing it off, he is stating that he wants to leave this way of life behind. I want to get rid of the protection that I've built around myself and follow you. He wants to be transformed. He doesn't want this life anymore. He springs up in eagerness, wanting to meet Jesus. I wonder how many conversations he had heard as people were just walking and talking. How many conversations he heard about Jesus as he sat there listening over a period of time. Stories of this self-proclaimed Messiah who fed thousands with a little bit of food and healed the sick. What stories had he heard that made him shout out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He wanted to cast off his past and spring up to meet Jesus. I have a question for you. I have many questions during this this morning and I have no answers. These are all between you and God. Are you still wearing a cloak of your own making? (laughs) 
Have you thrown off everything from your past in wanting to be transformed and a follower of Jesus? I'll leave that one hanging. That's for you and Jesus to discuss. Now, I've got some questions, like I said. Are we in agreement that Jesus is the Son of God, so he would have known things better than we would, yeah? Yeah. Good. So he would have known Bartimaeus, what Bartimaeus wanted, before he even sprung up to meet him, yeah? yeah? He would have seen that Bartimaeus was blind, Yes? So why does he ask him, what do you want me to do for you? Why does Jesus ask a question like that? I'm sure there's those that are in the crowd that would have looked a little bit puzzled and gone like, "Um, Jesus, he's blind, mate. You can't see what's wrong with him. Jesus is doing something so powerful here. He is giving Bartimaeus respect as a person and not just getting on with the mechanics of healing because he can just do that. He is personalising Bartimaeus in front of all of these people that had just rebuked him. He wants Bartimaeus to name what he wants to be healed from. He wants to know what Bartimaeus' deepest, deepest desire is. In fact, the Greek word for want in this passage is theleis, which means desire. What is it that you desire from me? Jesus asked this question actually a little bit earlier on in this chapter to James and John. Um, back in verse 36, they respond with a desire to sit at the right and the left hand of Jesus in heaven. A bold request, and I preached on it a few months back. The same question by Jesus with two different answers. Both were the desires of those asked. For James and John, it was about their own elevation of status. In fact, Matthew tells us it was their mum who actually asked the question. Thanks, mum. For Bartimaeus, it was purely a desire to see. And Jesus responds with healing. For James and John, they desired the wrong thing. And it says that scripture, Jesus gently rebukes them. Bartimaeus replied to Jesus' rabbi or or teacher, let me see again. See, Bartimaeus here is elevating Jesus to this status of rabbi, teacher. He is so important in Israel. Rabbis were so important in Israel. He is acknowledging Jesus as a holy one of God a teacher who he can trust and follow. And that is exactly what Bartimaeus does. He receives his sight and it says that he follows Jesus along the way as he enters Jerusalem for the last time. And it doesn't say he picked up his cloak. 
He just follows Jesus, knowing that Christ is his security. I want to ask two questions now. What do you want Jesus to do for you? And what does our community want Jesus to do for it? Jesus wants to know the deepest desires of your heart. What is it that you truly desire from Jesus? Go deep. Don't just ask for surface stuff. What are the deep-rooted desires of your heart that you want Jesus to do for you? Now, he knows what they are already. He knows everything. He knows what they are. But he respects you and loves you and he wants you to tell him. Like a little child when a father or mother says, what do you want for your birthday? (gasps) Sometimes children start off with surface stuff. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. What What do you really want? I really want this. Okay. Be specific with Jesus. I've heard a story of an African pastor who who wanted a bike to to, to shed the the gospel news. And he'd been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and he didn't get the bike. And he was getting more down and more down and more down. And then someone said to him, have you asked for Jesus what actually the specific nature of the bike you want? He said, no. He said, well, ask. He said, well, I like a blue one with this kind of thing and that kind of thing and a little thing to carry stuff. And guess what happened? Exact same bike was given to him. Maybe some of us haven't had some prayers answered. And I'm not going to go deep theology with this because we haven't asked really deeply. We haven't gone deep with this. Pause for a moment just to reflect. Think about what some of those desires of your heart you want Jesus to answer. If there is something that's come up, we'd love to pray for you this morning. So what about our community? What does our community want Jesus to do for it? It's a big question I've got in a moment. Well, firstly, we need to recognise that we are the answer to whatever question might be out there. We are Jesus in this instance. We are called to be Little Jesuses, Christians. It's the nickname given to Christians, a little Jesus. We're charged with asking this question and acting. Now, some of you may be thinking, what actually has our community pastor been doing for the last eight months? And that's a good question you can ask of me. Well, I have been busy 
doing bits and pieces, uh, meeting with leadership and, and being in the community. This is a new role for the church, for me. For us to understand what this role is takes a little bit of time. A lot of people have sensed that actually over this, this, this beginning period was to, to, to pray and listen to our community. That's not an excuse just to go and sit in coffee shops all the time. But it's to pray and listen. In fact, the word I felt God say to me was that I was to dwell in our community, which is to live in. So I spent a lot of time in places, in, in the high street, in our community, just, just listening. You have to actively be in the community. And I'm only one person. This is why I'm saying this noise stuff can stop us sometimes from being in the community that desperately needs us. I've put a team of people together from within the church that have a heart for the community and will hopefully help this process along. And based on the question from Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? I've started a survey within our community asking the question, what hurts you the most? You may see this in some of the coffee shops and areas. Um, there's some... I'll put it nice under it. So yeah, look, you've got it up on the screen. There it is. Nicely double-sided. QR code. Just gone out literally last week. So that's one of the things I was doing last week, was traipsing up and down the high street in different places, asking people if they'd put this in uh, shop windows and everything else like that. This is something I'm really keen on, on seeing where it will go. Um, the reason why I've asked that question... It's based on a conversation I had with the outgoing president of the Baptist Union, Hayley Young, and how she asked the community where she was at um, when they kind of like did a survey. And she said, we asked, we asked a number of questions and, and, and it was more to do with youth services and filling potholes and it, so we can kind of like identify, you know, temporary traffic lights, all that kind of stuff. But what hurts you the most... What is it that really, is that desire kind of, that thing that's hurting you right deep down inside? The real needs of people. All I would ask really for this is please be praying. Please be praying that there'd be response. And I need your help as well. Please be asking your neighbours. I've got loads of these little cards. 3,000 of them to give out. <laughs> I've done probably about 1,000. No, 750 I reckon. Please take one. There's loads out there. Or take a couple. Just, just put them in your neighbours' you know, doors or whatever it might be. Or you know, What is it that hurts you the most? Because when we find out what hurt people, hurts people the most in Billericay, we can really start to pinpoint and go for helping those people in the deepest of need. So that we're not doing a scattergun approach as a church, that we're actually getting right to the main thing that is hurting people. Because that's what Jesus did with Bartimaeus. He saw the pain, he saw the hurt, 
What is it you want for me to do for you? So please be praying and please be listening. You may have conversations with your neighbours, people at work, people from Billericay, and you're hearing their hurts and their pains. Please let me know. I mean, if you want to keep this completely as anonymous as possible, but please just just let me know because we just want to collate and see what, what things are rising to the top in people's lives in our town. Wayne, bless him, uh, when, when I got ordained, he gave me this book called Bless. Uh, and it's a book, actually, that we aim to look at as a church in the near future. Wayne might speak about that next week, so I'm not going to say anything further. Apart from the B stands for begin with prayer. Can't do anything unless we're praying. That's what's important on Tuesday, to come out and be praying uh, for, for education, all those things that are happening, our, our children, our young people, uh, our, our staff, the teachers that are involved there. Begin with prayer. Next bit, listen. That's why Jesus asked the question, so he could hear what Bartimaeus was saying. Listen to people. Eat. Best part of the book so far. <laughs> Eat. Eat with people. That's where you start to find out the real stuff that's kind of going on. The next one is serve How do we serve people within our community? And the last one is story. When we share our story with people of what Jesus has done in our lives, people kind of like go, oh, it's personalised. Because we can say what Jesus has done in this life and he's done in other people's lives and in church, but when it's about you and what Jesus has done in your life, that's where it starts to really matter. So hopefully uh, we'll have a little bit of a better understanding of these community needs in a few months. I believe this will be an ongoing process, so please be praying, listening, eating, serving and sharing stories in the community. And please be praying into this, asking the questions of others. Ask the questions, what do you want me to do for you? To your neighbours, to your friends. As Jesus asked that question to Bartimaeus, let's not look down and be Jesus to them. Let's pray before we share communion. Father God, I thank you for this this story in Scripture. We thank you, Father, for the way Jesus honoured Bartimaeus. That That he used this example before this whole crowd of not to rebuke, not to look down on somebody because of their lowly status, but to say, what is it that you want? What can I do for you? Father, we thank you that we can take so much from this. Lord, for each one of us, help us to ask that question of what our deep desires are, Father, that we want you to answer. You want to know. You want us to ask. And also, Father, of what our community desires as well. What its needs are, proper needs, Father, where you can see uh, you move in healing ways. Father, we thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
As we come to communion, as I always say, it's not a tag-on at the end of the service. Annan spoke last week about this, this, this feast, this, this banquet we know that we will share in glory. Eating together is a major part of Scripture. Jesus thought it was really good to go to people's houses and have meals. And the early church we read in Acts 2 was, was, was having this, this meal, this kind of last supper. It was on, normally on a Sunday eve. They would gather and have this meal. And lots of people were coming to this meal. There were the poor, there were the rich, there were the somewhere in between. I've even known of some communities recently that are bringing communion into the times that they gather for food with their neighbours. That it's been something that's just like, is it okay if we do communion? <laughs> that's a bit daring. But actually what it's done is just sparked off a conversation. And people have started to understand who Christ is more. Paul's letter to the Corinthians was one where he was quite strict with people in how they were abusing the Lord's Supper. It's not often you hear at communion the Corinthians passage spoken on. The abuse of the Lord's Supper was there were people just so gluttonous, eating so much. It wasn't, I mean, you know, someone could chomp on this, you know, if needed, but this isn't gluttonous stuff here. It's a completely different context for us, but people were turning up. They were eating too much, they were getting drunk. <laughs> And, and, and this is why Paul had to say to him, what are you doing? Stop it. And he actually says that the poor were having nothing to eat at this meal, which is why it was there in the first place, to share with the community. In verse 29, uh, 77 to 29, chapter 11 in Corinthians, it says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine him themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now, our context is quite different from the church in Corinth at the time, but the sentiment remains the same. We need to examine ourselves to discern the body of Christ in this simple meal. To recognise and remember this is not a traditional chore that we do, but a refocus, a resetting, a recalibration of our lives with our relationship with Jesus Christ in what he has done for us. So as we just spend some time examining ourselves, go deep. Don't deal with the shallow stuff. Go deep. Maybe some of the hurts and the pain that you have got. Maybe you need to be forgiving others for things that they've done this week to you. 
Go to the place you know that you have to take off your old cloak like Bartimaeus and offer Jesus the true desire of your heart. What is it that he can do for you? Let's just pause and take time to examine. In the passage in Corinthians, Paul, pretty much word for word, says exactly what Jesus did that evening of the Last Supper. And he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If I could have the servers come forward to distribute, and I'll pray as we all have the cup and the bread before we drink the cup together. Just imagine Jesus asking you, What do you want me to do for you? Father, as Bartimaeus cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. We say, Jesus, have mercy on us. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his sacrifice. We drink together and remember Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen.